Welcome to Sound Mind, a podcast about physician wellness and medical culture. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline Gérin-Lajoie. COVID-19 has affected everyone in a multitude of ways, but for healthcare providers, the challenges have been at times overwhelming. In many parts of the country, case numbers reached record levels in January, and uncertainty is growing about the healthcare system and the capacity to care for everyone. It's hard to overstate the stress this places on our physicians. Dr. Sabrina Akhtar is a family physician who's been working at a COVID assessment center in Toronto and is director of the home-based care program at the Toronto Western Family Health Team. Here's how she explained the impact of the pandemic on her well-being, starting when the pandemic was first declared in March. I can honestly say I have never been through anything like that in my life. I, I can't comment on whether that's a positive or a negative, but I'll just say that uh, it stands alone in my memory uh, as something that uh, you know, I faced, my team faced, my colleagues faced, and my partner and I faced, our family faced together. There, there really hasn't been anything like it since, and I hope there never will be. My colleagues and I barely had time to talk about this. It, it, it was happening like a tsunami. I, um, we connected online. We were, we were texting and chatting, but it's not, it's not something we debriefed in the moment. I can't say that it was. The adaptation at home had to be just as quick in the same way that things shut down at work and went online and the COVID center popped up within a matter of days and my whole, my whole day changed uh, unrecognizably. So did home life. My partner and I are both in medicine and we very quickly realized there's, there was no way we would be able to focus and contribute in a meaningful way if we were um, worrying about the family. And so we split up for a bit of time. We sent our kids to a set of grandparents and they stayed there for the better part of a month. At the time, there was just so very much to consider day to day. Um, our hours extended, you know, to, to a point where I, I don't mean it figuratively at all. We literally worked on COVID initiatives and um, direct patient care from the time we woke up until the time we went to sleep. And once we saw that, that you know, we could no longer sustain that, um, we brought the kids back with some in-home childcare measures in place. The anxiety has subsided, I think, although I, I suppose I don't really know because I haven't take much, taken much pause um, to ask myself or to really understand. Sometimes it's only looking back that you realize how difficult a particular time was. The sheer fear of you know, waking up every morning and feeling that feeling in the pit of your stomach, going, not being able to sleep at night, you know, watching much more TV late into the night at the end of the night than I ever have in my life just to try to shut off the jitteriness, the edginess that has settled. That has settled as I think we've become confident in things like our protective equipment and our protective equipment supply chain. I think that was an underbelly of anxiety for many of us in medicine for many weeks until we were sure that we were going to be safe. Since then, it's a different kind of anxiety. It's, um, well, there's a fatigue that has crept in. And in some ways, it's a better feeling. And in other ways, you know, it's, not, it's, it's, a, it's a different kind of, it's a different evil. And we no longer worry about going into work. 
but we know what to expect and it's exhausting. And uh, there's an exhaustion that comes with riding a roller coaster. You know, this is a good day. This is a bad day. This is a, this is a tough week. I really picture it as, as a moving target. COVID has been a constant moving target that we are constantly chasing. I think there's no doubt there's going to be something that comes out of all of this and, and an impact that we simply won't understand until the dust settles. As physicians, we are trained, conditioned, socialized, I don't know what you call it, but we very naturally put aside our own needs for those of our patients. So I think of, you know, a busy clinic where I don't even take a sip of water, or I think of, you know, an overnight shift where I don't eat anything, or I don't go to the bathroom. (laughs) And it's only at the end of that clinic or at the end of that shift that I realize I don't feel very well. It's not throughout. It never is. The adrenaline, the, you know, satisfaction looking after others, it, a lot of things keep you going for those shifts and those, and those clinics. But at the end, you realize that you are very hungry or tired or thirsty or uncomfortable and you don't feel very well. Just imagine if that shift was 12 months long, you know, nobody knows. I just, I just don't know when it actually pauses and we actually can turn inward and say, how am I feeling? Because it's truly over what we will feel. But I can imagine from my experience and sort of a micro level through stressful periods that there's, there's going to be some damage that will need assessment. Dr. Sabrina Akhtar, a family physician in Toronto, talking about her experience during the pandemic. It was recorded in late November when COVID cases in the city were rising rapidly. Since that time, the situation in Toronto and other cities has only gotten worse. Joining me now to discuss the impact of COVID-19 on physician wellness is Dr. Joy Albuquerque. Dr. Albuquerque is the Medical Director of the Physician Health Program with the Ontario Medical Association. Thank you, Joy, for being with us. Thank you, Carolyn. I I really, really liked um, hearing uh, what Dr. Akhtar said. Um, she, She sort of captured so eloquently uh, what the experience was like as this pandemic sort of descended on us and you know that everybody sort of galvanizing um, and sort of feeling the urgency and rising to it with all that energy and uh, even despite all that uncertainty um, but the fatigue um, that uh, people are feeling and you know today even with the, the headlines of the ICU beds and the worries about how to manage uh, when we are dealing with so many people who are still getting the virus and becoming sick and people being sick for other reasons. Uh, So the pressure is still on. And uh, so wellness has never been more important, I think, as it is now. In terms of your role as the medical director of the Physician Health Program at the Ontario Medical Association, are these the types of issues that you and your colleagues have been hearing about from physicians? reports of high anxiety and worry or reports of fatigue. What kind of wellness issues have you been hearing about and tracking over these last few months of COVID? So much of it is that the worry of how am I going to, to keep going when we don't have an end, an end in sight? Um, and, you know, that's, that's a challenge that every one of us faces, you know, uh, as you wake up in the morning. What we're hearing from physicians in, in Ontario is that they're going to do the job. You know, that they are, they're on this. 
Sometimes they feel like they don't know how they're going to get the energy to do this and they don't know how they're going to manage, especially if, um, as we're finding, you know, colleagues getting ill um, and being off um, is real and people having challenges with other issues in life are also real. So I think there's the, there's the recognition um, and perhaps even a bit of a resignation in a sense that we don't have a choice. We, we have to continue in this way. Um, so a lot of the doctors are talking about this and they're also talking about how, you know, that there are some things that are a lot better in where we are now. Um, we have a lot more information now. Uh, PPE, which was desperate and it's such a concern at the beginning, is less of an, uh, of an issue now. Uh, so there's this confidence that the system has righted that. I think the, some of the challenges are um, the expectations that continue to be there, that you need to continue to work exceptionally hard. And this is why, again, I think that the wellness discussion today is so important. Sometimes that gets forgotten in all of the reports of all the important things that have to be said and should be said and, and need to be said. It's important information. But our, our health and wellness and how we're doing, sometimes, well, it does, it gets missed. Uh, sometimes it, people will be thanked for um, their service. But to me, that's, that's wonderful to hear. And it is talking about a value, but it's very different than um, actually saying, I know this is having an impact on you. And these are the resources that we have. We value you being well, but if you are not well, we, we want you to get care, right? That, that's the message we want to continue uh, during this time and after. And that goes back to the old saying that, you know, human resources are our most important and valuable uh, resource in, in the health system, isn't it? So we need to support it as best as we can. Now, in general terms, what is your sense of the demand in terms of requests for help or support to your program, to the Physician Health Program, and also to other programs across the country as compared to last year, for example? Yeah, it's interesting that um, especially places that provide services to all health professionals, clearly the other professionals that are not doctors are much better at seeking out care, um, which is an interesting thing for us to take note of. Why is it that doctors are not? Because certainly this is impacting us just the same as everybody else. Um, so that's one point. That being said, we've had at least double the calls, if not more. Uh, and that's to our program. And we also know that, you know, all the hospitals and a lot of the facilities and um, mental health agencies are also offering services. Uh, CMA has offered the wellness support line. Um, there have been government offers for everybody. So there's a lot of so-called help out there. And still we are getting at least double the, the calls. So that does, that speaks volumes. And this is, these are people who are quite distressed. Some people being proactive, some people saying, you know, I don't know if I'm burned out, but I think I might be. And I kind of want to just do something about it now. Or somebody who comes and says, you know, I lost it with my kids last night. Um, I'm never, you know, I never, I always have time for them. This is a sign for me. And, you know, talking with my partner, um, I'd love to get a little bit of help, you know, so it's, it's that kind of thing that, uh, that we're hearing. And we're also hearing that people are drinking more. They're using substances more. Everyone, uh, you know, sort of the broad population. 
and that is the same for doctors as well. And, you know, as you know, Carolyn, that's, that's not necessarily a substance use disorder, but clearly under these types of chronic stress models, the use of alcohol is, it does not help. It does not reduce cortisol. It does not dampen your stress response. It doesn't. And that's quite clear in the, in the literature. So it's, it's good for people to know it's not an antidote to this kind of a, a stress. It's not a problem to have a glass of wine or have one drink, but to use it for as a drug is, is obviously uh, a problem. And I think that we are seeing uh, an increase in people who have actually found themselves problematically drinking and wanting some guidance. Uh, and some people who actually, it's revealed an actual uh, illness, uh, whether it's a substance problem or another mental health condition. It sounds like an increase for service or for help from the Physician Health Program may be a sign of both that there is increased distress overall, but also that some physicians are now starting to call out for help more proactively, more preventively, which is a tremendously positive sign and maybe just a small indicator that our culture is starting to shift in our physician and learner community. Earlier this month, we learned about a physician in Quebec who died by suicide, Dr. Karine Dion. According to media interviews with her husband, stress from the COVID-19 pandemic led to her death. What are your thoughts around that tragic event, but also the topic of suicide within our physician community? Yeah. Um... Uh, first off, I just I just need to to say just how sorry um, I am to hear of this loss. Uh, you know, to her husband and family and friends and colleagues and people who cared about her, it's just um, it's so sad. Um, and uh, you know, it's one of those tragedies that all of us feel. Uh, it does impact us all. Um, and to hear that that COVID. Uh, or the impact of COVID uh, was was a, a huge part of it. Um, that just heightens, you know, this feeling inside me that we have just got to get the message out more. Because if we can, if we can move things, you know, can you can you picture what a day would be like where somebody comes uh, to somebody and says that they are having some desperate or suicidal thoughts? And the response of the individual was to hear it, to listen, to go, my goodness, this is an emergency uh, and I need to now act in the way that this is an emergency. Like if somebody was had a, a, one of our ATLS courses, you know, we need an ATLS course for suicide so that we go into action and we get that person uh, to, to help because we know that there's so much we can do to help um, support and treat if there's a condition to treat uh, and at the very least um, hear this person's suffering um, and help them for the next step. You know, I just feel that this is this is something that our profession can do superbly. We could be the leaders in this. And it just starts by, you know, acknowledging, first of all, that vulnerability in each and every one of us. You know, we all have a limit. We all have um, dark thoughts. We all have tough days. Studies say, you know, without even a health condition um, impacting, 
probably six, at least, maybe 10, maybe more percent of people will have had suicidal thoughts at some point in time, or the idea that they need to escape in some way. So if it's that common, surely we can, we can accept it as something that is possible. You know, I find that the challenges as to why we don't are and that this happens in every every area in medicine. There's something about knowing that somebody is suffering to that level that connects internally and you don't want them to be suffering and you don't want to know that somebody could be suffering to that level. And that is a, a bit of a barrier. I like that idea that with increased awareness, increased normalization, increased skills and information, I do believe the physician community is one that can do a great job at looking out for each other, at helping each other, where I think there is still a lot of discomfort and st stigma is at the individual level. And in the conversations I've had with physicians across Canada, many would feel very comfortable and in fact honoured to listen to a colleague's mental health issues. But when it came to themselves, when it came to themselves, it was the opposite they would feel extremely uncomfortable going up to a colleague to talk about their own mental health suffering or concerns. So there's still a dichotomy in terms of what we think is appropriate for others, but what is appropriate and safe for us. So in all of our work, national, provincial, local, I think we all need to somehow influence the individual's beliefs and attitudes and comfort level to be able to reach out for help more easily. That's so true. That's so true. You know, we, when we think about it, um, and now we're talking about, we're hearing about um, COVID stigma, that, that there are people who feel that if they get COVID, that they're going to be judged uh, and that somehow they did something wrong. They didn't, whatever. Um, even if they don't even know where they go, they got the COVID, it's somehow their responsibility and they should know better. And I think that's the piece that is almost like a, a distortion in the way we think, you know, as physicians. We're supposed to know better and that somehow leads to the belief that we're supposed to also know really well how to have the skills to manage with stress, a pandemic, an illness. It just doesn't seem to matter. The list goes on. And I think that's a part of it that we... We kind of have to accept that, you know, we're incredibly good at managing things. We're very good at managing stress. We are excellent at, at creating plans and, and saving lives. And if we take the time to sort of get to know ourselves, get to know our own stress temperature check, if you will, um, and how we're doing, maybe a little bit of kindness or friendliness towards ourselves, I just, I would be, I would be intrigued at how that might shift some of this kind of harshness that we have towards ourselves and our, in the expectations. Dr. Akhtar talked about wondering about the long-term impact that the pandemic may have on physician wellness in the longer run. And I wonder, Joy, what your thoughts may be about the potential long-term impacts on the medical profession in terms of wellness. Yeah, I mean, we know that the, this pandemic will end. We know that it will end. We know that there's going to be post-trauma uh, growth, so post-pandemic growth. I mean, you and I know that, you know, what, 40 to, who knows, up to 70%, depending on what group you're looking at, of individuals prior to the pandemic were burned out. 
and they were burned out because of a lot of things um, that were challenges uh, in a system that has been changing so quickly and doing its best, but uh, needing change before the pandemic. And so there's a lot of concerns about, you know, what happens if we're, we just go back? Never mind, are we, have we been sort of leaders in caring along with a lot of other people? But not only are we exhausted by, by this and challenged by this and grieving and the losses that people have had to experience through this work, on top of that, then what are we going to face? Is it going to be the same? And I think that's a, an important thing for leaders to be aware of. It's an important thing for all of us to be aware of, you know, because going back to a place where um, we feel overwhelmed getting up in the morning is, is, is just not, it's not going to be okay. So I, I am concerned about that. Um, I'm a little buoyed up, I guess, um, that the system was listening, that the system is aware and there are a lot of people who are starting to think about some of the changes that need to happen in, in medicine. So that's encouraging. Um, but I think we have some, some work to do uh, as this pandemic winds down. And so related to that, uh, with what you've said about your thoughts on the long-term impact, are there any changes you think should be made to wellness su supports? Do we need to rethink wellness supports for physicians, for learners, and even for their families. Yeah, and I 100% I, I do. I'll start at the top <laughs> and say that, you know, at a national level. So I, uh, CMA having your position, your office, you know, and funding it and supporting it is great. And you, this is still r relatively new. When you start thinking about leadership throughout our province, both at the university level as well as in the hospitals and workplaces, the medical associations, I think that wellness needs to be on the scorecard for all. I think it just has to be. And the health and well-being of our health human resource, uh, which are all health professionals, right, the fourth piece in our quadruple aim, um, and physicians have to be on that. If that was held at that kind of high level as, as crucial and critical as um, for the best patient care, that would be a big difference. And then you can see how that would filter down into both the policies that people have, the supports, you know, the, the readily, um, you know, seen in every place where you would go in and you'd say, who's the wellness person here? You know, who's the chief wellness officer here? And have that be a norm. And then as you come down further, then it becomes uh, the creativity of doctors, I find, is, is a thing of beauty. Just individuals who are so willing uh, to take a chance. To me, I think once we have that sort of happening at a sort of a systems level, the creativity of, of doctors and their want to be able to bring their best self to work and have their best self and some energy for home, that will work wonders. So I, I think there's I think there's reason to be positive because um, we have a lot of the information now. But uh, you know, I at the same time I, I worry a little bit that you know we have to keep the pressure on. So Dr. Joy Albuquerque, thank you so much for being with us today to discuss this hugely important topic of the impact of COVID nineteen pandemic on physician, learner, and healthcare wellness. Dr. Joy Albuquerque is the Medical Director of the Physician Health Program with the Ontario Medical Association. Once again, Joy, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Carolyn. 
You've been listening to Sound Mind, a podcast about physician wellness and medical culture. It's produced by the Canadian Medical Association in collaboration with Podcraft Productions. And if you are looking for resources, tools, and research on the topics covered today, please visit the CMA Physician Wellness Hub at cma.ca. I'm Dr. Caroline Gérin-Lajoie. See you next time.